Evan, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to come on. I am excited uh, to ask you a ton of questions um, because having seen the inception of Copy Chief and everything that you've created, there's so much I want to dive into you with the business model, who you're helping, so on and so forth. But for the person who's listening in that has no idea who you are, how would you describe to them who you are and what you do? Well, thank you, Mark. It's great to be here with you, man. Um, I guess in a nutshell, I'm a guy who spent his 20s traveling the U.S. as a stand-up comedian, which gives me a very um, interesting insight into humanity and lack thereof at times. <laughs> uh, I then uh, I didn't know it at the time, but it was setting me up for a bigger calling, which was... Uh, writing copy and then coaching not only copywriters but freelancers i realized looking back that i've been freelancing my entire adult life i uh, didn't think of stand-up comedy as freelancing as a business model but i realize now that's exactly what it was and things could have gone a little different if i would have known what then what i know now but i'm, I'm glad the way things turned out and so what i wake up inspired to do every day is help business owners, you know, especially creative business owners uh, and creatives embrace the fact that they own a business, even if they're trying to resist <laughs> that truth and, and, you know, let it work for them instead of then always working for it. Mm -hmm. What would you say is one of the most surprising things that doing comedy taught you about really writing sales copy and positioning companies? The most surprising thing is that the way I've been talking about copy lately is that it is a two-way conversation driven from one side, right? And I realize now what a blessing it was to stand in front of people night after night and have that same experience with live interaction. At its best, that's what it is. It's a two-way conversation happening from one side. Sometimes people feel the need to break that fourth wall and interject. And I was always um, a little bit interactive with the crowds. But for the most part, you're setting them up to have an experience, story after story, joke after joke, and leading them somewhere bigger along the way. And I realize now that a big part of any writing, but particularly sales copywriting is that if you have an instinct for how your reader will be responding throughout your piece, it's a huge advantage because it's, it can be a little hard to teach that instinct to people, making sure you leave some space after a big thought, the mm -hmm. way you use sort of bucket brigade conversation continuers and things, you know, it's, it's, it's very much about pacing, and it, it, it really can feel like a conversation for both people if you approach it that way. I really like that. It reminds me of one of the things that I learned through like two years of improvisational acting where it's like we'd be on stage uh, with our scene partners and it taught me to leave room for the pause 
for mm -hmm. the audience or for the scene partner to be able to process what happened and then have a chance to respond. And it was like every single conversation was being built just one sentence at a time. Right. Which is particularly, I imagine, hard to do. I knew a lot of great improvers when I was doing stand-up. I, I started with the original um, Upright Citizens Brigade. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Original crew, Mark, uh, you know, Matt Besser and uh, Amy Poehler was in the group. And those were all friends. And I used to marvel at their talent, their ability to trust each other, to trust the scene, to live in the moment. And, and you're right. I, I admire that. That's a whole nother dynamic to, to let a thing like that breathe. Because when stand-up comics do improv, and I'm doing air quotes here, it's who can race to the punchline faster. It just mm. it's immediately into the gutter. There's there's no structure. There's no scene building, you know. And uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's the big difference between stand-up and improv, right? Mm. Is that doing it solo... It's you and the audience for better or worse, but I imagine, you know, uh, improv acting is a lot more like being in a band yeah. and really having to trust your bandmates. But speaking of which, you also have a background in music, is that right? A little bit. No, I mean, I, I'm a music lover. It's it's my passion. It's it's you give me a free night in the town, I'm going to see live music. It's, it's a, a, the thing I love to read about and study and understand better. But I, and I don't say this, you know, humbly, I, I just have zero musical talent, you know, oh. um, my, 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 my son is very, my son's actually a musician. He's 19. He's planning to move to Nashville in, uh, in, in next year. And he's just very, very good. And uh, the more I'm around good players, the more I can appreciate the fact that I am not a musician and, hmm. and never will be. And I, I don't say that as a limited thing. I've, I've been playing guitar for, almost three years now and I still don't um, like hearing myself as a respecter of the craft I kind of wish mm -hmm. I would just stop it but it's but I'm in a band and it's it's so fun you know it's too fun to not do um but uh yeah I don't have a music background other than just appreciating it it's it's funny you mentioned that because I think there's this analogy between that and then also uh dancing tango you know it's like anyone I could tell someone that I've been dancing tango for like over five years you know and it's just like oh no 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 this is a social dance that we do for fun I do not go around the world I do not teach I do not perform and I will not at any point claim to be good because I know how great Right, right, right. And good for them for still doing it and enjoying it. Like that, that's yeah. the trick, you know. It's like my band's finally to the point where I wouldn't be mortified if an, another musician that I respect happened to hear us for a few minutes and be like, "Okay, well, they're, they're up there having fun." But uh, I, man, I just am so blown away by people who who have a little touch of the gift and have put in the time to become accomplished. It. it any instrument or or to sing i tried to sing too and that was even worse i just you know um but man does does not diminish my my love of it you know it, it, it's it's a beautiful thing. same i i don't know if yours is quite like mine but i feel like i might crack glass if i uh try the singing bit yeah but i love it i love listening to it uh, well you have a cool who... voice too and oh, like people you. always say well you have a such a great speaking voice you might i'm like no i, I don't know, it's a different thing you mm -hmm. know like some people and there are people who you know 
been in bands famous famously and can like sing a little backup but they know how limited they are it is just the i think it's like that's the words like genetics you know mm. you're born with a a shape of your throat a shape of your mouth and yeah. those things that actually factor into it i'm not saying anybody couldn't learn to sing but i think people who are drawn to learn to sing can kind of sing it's just like you know they open their mouths and they sing along to the radio and it actually sounds pretty good and mm -hmm. and those of us where that doesn't happen, we do it anyway, but we're not, we're not fooling ourselves. <laughs> so that's an interesting segue uh, to the next question that I have for you, because a theme that I've heard in everything that you've shared, you know, from studying stand up to, you know, uh, to, uh, you know, being in a band uh, and also in business, the theme that I hear is community and connection yeah, uh, yeah. to people, you know, and uh, Copy Chief, which you founded, you know, which I, it was like, I joined I, very, very early on and I could tell just like the level of intention with being able to create uh, a space where people could share, um, like that was one of like the founding intentions. Could you tell right. us a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it really was inspired by a place very much like it that was around when I started back in 2000 probably when I came across that board it was uh 2005 ish it was called the copywriting board I think hmm. um message board is what we used to call it, like forms right and I'm telling you it was like night and day between I learned about copy like a year earlier there was one course on the market then and I had no idea what to do with the information you know um and then to find that there was this community of other copywriters and marketers and uh, they're all sharing and teaching. And it was, I mean, I found my voice there as, as a creative, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a copywriter, I got my first job there. I met uh, people. I'm still Jason Moffat was, was a big part of that board. We're still friends. And, um, and so it closed, Mark. I don't know if you know about it at all, but oh, yeah. it was run by um, Michael Fortin. Ah, uh, okay. You know, you know, Michael is Michael and no Michelle. Of. I never know what yeah. to say, but I'm um, still a great copywriter. And what happened was it was a free board and it got real um, cat fighty. Hmm. And some, I wouldn't say trolls came in, there wasn't people we didn't know. But all the people in there started just really misbehaving and fighting. And, and there were some bullies in there. And he just woke up one day and went, you know what? I'm done. Like, I'm shutting this down because I did not start this to put out fights. This is ridiculous. It's it's wasting my time. And he just closed it like the mm. next day. Wow. And it was sad. And But I understood why he did it. It was just become a cesspool. Mm. And then um, after that, there was only one other place that I won't mention that is was just always a little the same way you know and so um when i had the idea to start a forum it really stemmed from the, you know i would go to conferences and i would watch these amazing relationships happen right mm -hmm. you'd meet other copywriters you get to know each other a little bit and over the two or three days at a conference you'd watch a business owner meet up with a copywriter they'd become like friends and they'd start talking about plans and then they go on to do this great work together you'd see them at, a, at the next conference they were there together now to talk about their business and you're just like 
And I was like, it's such a shame that this is kind of the only way that that mm. can happen. It's so limiting. And I was starting to find some success in my business. So I had copywriters coming to me asking like, how do you get these great clients? And I had copywriters saying, I either can't afford you or I can't wait for your schedule to open. Who can you recommend? And I had like maybe five people that I knew well enough to, to recommend. And so I thought, what if I could create what happens at a conference, you know, in the digital world and just mm. open it up globally and just see who shows up. And uh, I did it in, you know, people like Russell Huckling were, you know, one of the first to sign up, um, uh, Aaron Crocker, um, Robert Gibson, like all, all these incredible, generous, thoughtful, smart people. And it, it just grew from there. Um, and it's always had that same feel and vibe. I've just been incredibly blessed to have it attracts people who want to do right and, and want to support it and learn. The only problem I ever have with anybody who joins is, is I wish they would engage more because mm -hmm. the more you engage, the more you get out of it. And people, people get sometimes intimidated by the level of knowledge. And so they wait and they, and uh, uh, yeah. that's my it's only enough. issue. I would just, everybody would just trust themselves. They're like if, if you can read and if you've ever bought anything, you do have something valuable to, to, to add to a copy critique or, you know what I mean? And just, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll grow and you'll grow confident from there. And that, that's how it works. And so aside of that, I mean, I've never, I've never had to break up a fight at, I've never had to, I think twice I've given people their money back because either the, the topic of their business was just made me uncomfortable. It was just so not a fit and I didn't love them, you know, posting certain things. And even though they, they were good people, it was just, you know, they, they were in the romance niche and it was things like that. And it, so aside of that, man, I, I don't think anybody's ever left angry, you know, <laughs> in, over, over nine years. And wow. um, nice. it's incredible. And, and, the, and the difference is, Mark, the lesson there is that it's a paid community. Yep. I, I realized not only was mine a little bit more of a business model, but I learned from, from the copywriting board that you've got to put up a, a gate. And because trolls are not going to pay to troll, <laughs> there's plenty of places they can go do that. You know what I mean? And so yeah. the, the the fee is honestly just more of a filter than it mm. is. It's still incredibly affordable, $150 a month to learn and grow and make connections and 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 have access to, to a jobs board that we vet. And, you know, um, it's just been, uh, and it's led to everything else good in my life, you know, from that very moment. So that's incredible. And do you still have the trainings as well? Yeah. Yeah. So we still do, um, trainings almost every month. Um, I, I try to be more, um, my, my thing about the trainings has always been it's community driven in regards to somebody introduces a new thing they're doing. And other people say, oh, wow, that's really cool. I'm going to do that too. It, it, and then it, it becomes useful enough, sort of proven to be useful enough. Then we form a training about it, either with the mm. person who brought it to us or uh, there was a period in the beginning where I felt this obligation to put out a new training every month. And then I found, you know, eight or nine months in, I'm like, okay, now I'm kind of forcing it. I think, yeah. um, you know, and here's an interesting thing about having a, a, a a subscription service, people don't always want more. 
stuff, especially with trainings. What happens is it has the reverse effect. I felt like, well, I'm giving them all this value and mm-hmm. they may need this training now or not for six months, but either way they know it's here. But what people have this interesting relationship with it where they start to feel guilty yep. for like three or four trainings have gone by and I haven't been able to get to them. So I'm just going to quit. And you're like, wait, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> so it's counterintuitive. And, and so we started doing a little less and making sure everything was meaningful and something proven that we knew was valid and, and useful. And, you know, like right now with AI, it's so great to have a community because as you know, things are changing by the yep. day. And uh, there is no, at, at this point, you know, people are getting stymied because they're like, there's no one course I can take where I'm going to be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way to be good for more than a month or, you know. And so I find so many people just, not even opening it to play with chat GPT because they're like, I just don't want to know it's too overwhelming. And it's like, no, 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 just, just play with it. Just have fun with it. Just see, see what your relationship is with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so having, we have a whole section now for AI machine learning and copy chief where it's like our little laboratory. It's like somebody discovers something really cool. They bring it there. Other people do it. And we, we're, we're building out some, some interfaces and some custom, you know, prompts and things. And, we we get to get feedback real-time feedback for how that's working for our members and i think this is the most important time to have a community because things have changed so radically and are going to continue changing so fast for the next couple of years that again uh this what do you buy what do you pay attention to before you feel like you got passed by again you know Mm -hmm. it's it's so fascinating because another one of my clients um he actually created a course um, around uh, innovating uh, with AI, but he's in the world of uh, WordPress web development. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are some parallels to how the copywriting community reacted to artificial intelligence and how developers reacted mm-hmm. uh, to it. Uh, in, the, in the development world, it was everything from oh my God, AI is going to take our jobs to, I'm just not even going to look at it to, you know, some people being bullish on it. And so I'm curious, right. uh, from your perspective, what did you see, you know, in the creative world? Well, copywriting and the creative world at yeah. large. Yeah. I, I saw the same thing and I, I equate it. I can't, I wrote this in a thing, but I, it was basically all the stages of, 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 of grief that <laughs> yeah. we went through. Right? <laughs> yeah. I forget the order, but, but number yeah. one is like, Biggest denial. Yeah. Shocker. And then, and then like denial, like this, this can't be real. This didn't happen. Right. So like denial and then anger. Mm-hmm. So it was like denial was, remember it was like, everybody's like, Oh, I gave it this prompt and look at the stupid response. I gave me this thing's junk. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then, uh, then finally you're like, all right, I prompted it a little better. And, and so then it was like, and then the anger was, it's going to take our, our jobs. And then it was like, what, like acceptance was like, well, maybe not all our jobs. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe we can coexist with this thing, right? And then there yeah, was like, yeah. you know, peace or whatever after that. And, and, mm-hmm. and I'm still very surprised. I got to tell you, really high level uh, uh, people, creatives, copywriters, marketers, who was still eschewed it and ignored it. And, mm-hmm. and I asked them and, you know, that, that, that it's just so far they haven't allowed themselves to be bothered by it and mm. so they're either not afraid of it like it's gonna it is still gonna be maybe a fad or they're like i'll get to it when i can or it's like i don't know where to start just like everybody else you know mm. and it's what's 
interesting to me is it's so easy to to play with to interact with um and and i don't know why mark that i i i just got excited it scared me for a minute i read some articles early on like back in november december where i was like my god i this may be it like i may be hmm. i may be out of work here you know like we all have that reaction then i started playing with it and i realized you could see what it could get right and what it could get wrong sam yeah. woods did this incredible training that that the thing I think Sam's training turned it around for me because what I realized through Sam's training was that you had to understand the fundamentals of good copywriting to make it work well for you. And if you didn't, you needed to go learn that first. You could hmm. still learn the machine and, and play with prompts and things, but you had no, just like with anything else around copy, if you don't truly understand the fundamentals, you're never going to get a good result, whether it's out of your own brain or, or anything else. And so I thought, well, this is actually a good thing because this new device, this new tool is going to inspire people to go back to the basics and then grow from there. So from there, I got encouraged. And, um, and, and again, I'm, I wouldn't call myself at all an expert user. I'm, I'm a basic user, but it's really, it's become the greatest creative collaborator I ever had mm -hmm. because of the way you can interact with it. It just, it doesn't have any of the human flaws that a human collaborator has it also can't bring the same dynamic and the same color to things that if you and i were sitting down brainstorming something right but we're both going to forget where we left if we had to if you and i met once a month to to slowly develop a, pr a product idea we'd have to spend the first hour every month like catching up with where we yeah. left off a month ago ChatGPT does not have that problem. Wherever you left off is where it is ready to go right from there. Like that alone is so incredible, right? And so you can imagine like if you're a freelance copywriter and you have five different, um, you know, uh, retainer clients, you have a knowledge base, a file for each one of them just mm. waiting for you to pick up and go again. You know how much mental bandwidth that that saves you and how much that increases your efficiency and and so if I uh, just try to get people who are, who are still resistant to just like think of it as a real practical tool. Um, and I think they'll quickly see that it's, it's, it's not the enemy at all. It's, it's really there to aid you. I love that perspective. I, I forget where I've heard this quote, but it's something like AI, you will not be replaced by AI, but you may be replaced by a human that's using AI. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So That's why I say, but yeah, you won't be replaced by, you'll be replaced by copywriters using AI. I truly believe, and like, this is one thing that people always get up, uptight about when I say this, because they're like, oh no, this, this copywriter went head to head with it and, and beat it. I'm like, yes, of course that can happen in an instance. What I'm saying is I don't believe you can be better without AI as a tool than with it. Hmm. If you, if you said to me, uh, you pick two people and they're going head to head on, you know, 10 different ads over the next 30 days. Uh, one of them's going to use AI and one is no way I'm putting my money on the person who's not using it just because the other per it's the idea generation. It's the research. It's the interactive research. Yeah. It, it just leads your brain to places it could not go alone. And in Copy Chief, our motto from day one has been nobody writes alone. Yeah, and that's what I, I mean is that we're all better with each other. Yes, there's times where you sit alone with an idea and you start typing and you get as far as you get. But 
once you get a little stuck or you start to feel like you've hit your creative ceiling, that's when you reach out to other people. You start sharing the idea, you get influence from them. And that's the same exact way that I've been using ChatGPT. And I, I don't fear that it's ever going to replace a true creator, creative, um, any, anytime soon. I'm not worried about it in my lifetime. For my kids who are just coming into adulthood, I'm a, I'm a little concerned. It's, <clears throat> I mean, you know, the, the yeah. job market's going to shrink a lot, but I was hoping they weren't going to do kind of menial tasks anyway. 1000%. My youngest sister, she's in college right now. She just, she's in like her uh, sophomore, like a junior year uh, up in Halifax, up in um, uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. And I, I can't begin to imagine what going through college might be like now with wow. AI. <laughs> There's so many ramifications. And then like you said, also just like how much, whatever degree it is that you're studying for right now, how much will have changed in just two years yeah. of AI yeah. by the time that you get your degree? For sure. It, it's, that it's, is mind blowing, right? Yeah. And nobody yeah. knows. Nobody knows for sure. There's predictions and things. And yeah, that, that, that would be scary. No doubt about it. Like you said already. Yeah, that's why I feel like I'm very, I feel, I'm excited that I get to experience it. And I'm really glad I'm way ahead of it <laughs> because you're right. If, if, if you had to guess whether the thing you plan to do with your life is going to be relevant or not, hard to stay motivated. <laughs> when you put it like that <laughs> cue existential dread like <laughs> exactly yeah oh man that's 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 rough um getting a little bit into uh some of what some might describe as like the tactics uh are there any particular use cases that you found really helpful uh for ai and what's maybe one bad one where it just it just fails abysmally mm. Yeah. Um, anytime I ask it to do something creative, um, it fails pretty bad. Mm. I think the more dangerous fail for it is that it can, it will give you inaccurate information. I heard a story recently of some a lawyer who had it write uh, some briefs or something, mm -hmm. and he didn't check the work closely enough. And it, it, it was completely parts of it were plagiarized or, or completely incorrect and he lost his job and should have hmm. because you can't we can't get too comfortable too quick yeah. um when i i've asked it to give me examples of jokes before when i wanted to find a joke and just bad really bad like not good humor <laughs> but, uh, it's very polite if you've noticed you know what i mean it's yeah a, it, it doesn't want to it is not a fun friend it does not a fun friend a, an incredible assistant so when I ask it to, the first time it kind of blew my mind, I was writing a, 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 an email about uh, negotiation. And my first question was, I wanted to, I know there's parts of the world where negotiation is just standard practice on pricing or selling anything, right? And I knew like in India and some of the bazaars and, and places like that, but I wanted to understand more. And so I said, where are places in the world where negotiation is standard practice? And it gave me sort of this vague answer. And then I was like, tell me some specific instances. And then it got specific and it just kept bringing me. So I started, you know, 10,000 feet. And next thing you know, I was basically standing on a sidewalk of a bazaar oh, wow. or something, and seeing and, and learning about the history mm -hmm. of it. And, and then I could say, to, okay, now give me eight 
um, you know, eight proven tactics of good negotiation and in seconds, bah, 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 bah. Mm. and it's not that I would ever cut and paste that, but you know, five of them could make up a base of my own list. And then I could color it in mm. with, with, uh, my own experience or other yeah. examples. And so that's when it serves me best is when I, I just, I compared to how we used to have to search for things. Um, and I know Google will catch up in their own ways, but that's what we had forever or Wikipedia, even think of Wikipedia. That's a better example. Actually, you mm -hmm. go to find out about one person and there's a bunch of links in there. And, and next thing you know, you're, you got 10 Wikipedia tabs open. Mm -hmm. and maybe some brilliant stuff comes out of there or you go down the right rabbit hole, but it's going to be a rabbit hole no matter what, you know, and chat GPT, you can just keep it on course. If it's going somewhere yeah. that doesn't interest you, you could say, no, let's go deeper on this. Hey, let's start over. Let's take what we talked about, but I'm going to, let's start fresh. Okay. Okay. got you. We're starting fresh. Mm -hmm. And it's I just, every time I use it, I think of it as like the greatest assistant you could ever have. Oh, I'll tell you, here's the, here's the best thing I use it for. Ooh, you nice. want to hear this real quick? Yeah, okay. Please. So every time I launch, um, my programs, I will do a standard, um, I'll ask them a question. It's kind of like a, a Dean Jackson, nine word email with a different purpose of, I want to know how they feel about the topic. So, right. So escape velocity is one of my pro uh, programs. Then it's for new copywriters looking to launch their career. Right. And so, um, I wrote to them, what, what is the, uh, the wording is important here. So I want to get it right. What is the number one thing keeping you from getting what you want hmm. from freelance copywriting? Now notice how broad that is, but yet specific, right? So I didn't mm -hmm. say, but it was like keeping you from getting what you want. I'm not telling them what they should want. Right. Yeah. And then I said, I really want to know Kev. And I got, uh, about 75 responses to that. And I did what I always do. I take, I reply to everyone, of course, but then I take the responses and I put them in one document and it ends up being dozens of pages. And th but that would be my reference point for it, right? So, but this time what I did is I went to GPT and I explained exactly what I just explained to you. Here's what I've done. And what I would like to do is feed you all these responses and have you point out to me the major um struggles that they have hmm. and it said and it repeated back to me that it understood and it said sure load in the responses and i did that and it listed out 57 um main you know sticking points for them right wow and some of them were overlapping so then i said could hmm. you take out any repeating themes it got it down to 30 31 nice. And so now what do I have is this perfect document of 31 topics that I know are important to the people I want to serve because they've told me in a very human way that these are the problems they face. But now I've used ChatGPT to assess them and analyze them. Uh, and then from there, you can say, based on those 31 things, take the, t take the top five and you know give me themes for emails to write about each of those top five. And then you can say from there, okay, um, give me subject lines based on this one topic. And I'll tell you, that's one thing it's surprisingly good at giving you, um, you know, a, a post uh, ideas, uh, captions, like Instagram captions, fantastic at that. 
it really understands each format and how to do it. Think of it before, if you could, if you had an email copywriter and you say, Hey, can you write me some Instagram captions? Unless they're really savvy, or if they've had the opportunity to test captions, they really don't know. They're like, they can wordsmith it, right? And make it, make it sound good, but they don't have actual knowledge. ChatGPT understands the format and, and, and you can ask it, what are best practices for writing Instagram captions that, mm. that get more opens? And it will tell you. So it's working on a knowledge base that it has to create what you're asking it to create. So it can do all the small stuff really, really well. It just fails at the bigger stuff, which is great news for us because we are always going to bring the 20% that a machine just can't do because it doesn't, doesn't have emotions. It, it can mimic those things, but it, you can tell when you're getting true personal detail through humor, through, through consternation, through trauma, through whatever. You can tell that somebody, the person you're writing to has lived through that or truly empathizes with it. And and machines don't. And so we're okay for a while. That is excellent. There's so many parts of my brain that are like uh, lighting up on fire right now because my academic background is in environmental sciences. And one of the things that I had to do a lot of is qualitative research and survey after survey after survey after survey. And it's just the, the, the power of ChatGPT to be able to just make qualitative research, particularly the analysis of all of these words and to be able to aggregate all of that data and then give us back. But then beyond that, like you mentioned, being able to ask it questions and then right. to get things into different formats, there's so much time that's saved, especially if content production across different formats is ultimately the goal. And like you alluded to earlier, it has access to so much more data. Uh, to be able to do the pattern recognition of what right. it looks like across these different channels, across these different formats. So that, that's fantastic. I love that. Uh, and it's also relevant for what I'm working on right now. <laughs> so <Good>. so <laughs> <laughs> super helpful. Um, there's something else uh, nested uh, within our earlier conversation that I'd love to talk about, which is related to the growth of Copy Chief. You know, mm -hmm. you mentioned that things have been growing. So I'm guessing you've also now had to deal with, okay, the growth of a team. Uh, what have you found helpful for keeping your team aligned? Same mission, vision, goals. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. I'll tell you the most surprising thing on that was actually putting words to my vision mm -hmm. and sharing it with the team. I always thought mission statements and things like that were, were just a bit cheesy maybe or gratuitous but like with most things we tend to dismiss it just means that we don't know how to do it yet so yeah. it's much easier to you know dismiss it than to learn it and you know i think this is true for most smaller businesses is like you might have a vision for what you want it to be or what it could be but you also know that it is a it is a winding journey and you 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 want to drive it but you also have to react to what it what's happening and what it's doing and so i always was 
apprehensive to say, this is where we're exactly where we're going to be in three years. And, uh, and so, but I finally, through uh, EOS, we started using EOS in our company. And one of the, and it's at its core, it's all about the core values, right? What are your core values? And those are not only sort of the mission statement for the company, but it's the things you hire, fire and reward around. Mm -hmm. And boy, that was a huge shift. So when I sat down and wrote out our core values and I read them on a team meeting, the woman who's been with me the longest, she'd been with me about six years now, she, she almost started crying. Wow. She said, I'm just so overwhelmed and excited and proud <laughs> to hear words behind everything that's driven us since I've been here. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's amazing that she's so affected by that. Right. Hmm. And it has, it, it has become the beacon. And then the functional part of it is we are so good at now being able to detect if somebody shares our core values or not. It doesn't mean they might not have, uh, might have a different approach to how they go about things, but we'll know if it's going to be a fit, you know, based mm -hmm. on the, those core values. And uh, that was a huge one. And, and then just, you know, being patient with people, I, I, again, just by nature of my personality, I, I don't know, maybe too passive at times, but, and the older I get, man, I just let things roll off. Dude, like I don't get, I, I don't get beat up by things anymore. And I don't get, I don't get twisted out of shape by, by much. And um, if somebody makes a mistake, I mean, that's kind of one of the core values. It's like, it's the greatest opportunity to learn, but you mm. have to own it. You have to own it and be responsible for it. But I said, but, but but then you get to put your name on the solution hmm. because you're naturally going to know the solution. Right. And um, those have been the things. And, and one of the things I enjoy the most, frankly, is, is, is people, people management, the people puzzle. Uh, my integrator, Rachel calls it. It's, it's the hardest one because it takes the longest, hmm. you know, to, to vet somebody and to re replace somebody. We had a key member of our, of our a team quit in January to pursue a, a lifelong dream of, of, of helping run a, um, an animal shelter, which wow. was beautiful. is not you know, um, but it was really a blow, you know, mm -hmm. it was like, and we're still trying to replace her here in June, right. Find the, the right person. So it's just this, you know how it is. I think you maybe were freelancing for a while where it's just you, but it's always changing shape and you have to, you know, you can direct it, but you have to also be reactive and, and so now it's like that, but it affects like, you know, a dozen people at a time and you want to keep them feeling enthused and heard and valuable, but also, you know, I don't know. I just, you can't force people to do anything they don't want to do. That's yes. what I've learned. Yep. 1000%. Um, and, and, and so if they show up feeling good about where they are and, and who they're doing it with, then, then they're going to find their self, their own motivation. And for and and they're going to be incredible contributors to to not just the team but to your processes to your to your mission to your values, um, but you know you got to kiss some frogs along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Story of life and business, right there. Yeah, uh, you know, to 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 one of the earlier points then that you shared. Uh, one. Oh, just for anyone listening in, EOS stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System, if uh, you're curious. And 
the core values, I had a similar experience with uh, working through EOS to, to create um, the top four that would later be expanded out to be top five. But I'm curious if you're open to sharing, mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the other values that you identified? That are core values? Yes. I mean, I could actually pull it up for you if you want real quick. Sure. This won't be great radio, but... Um... <laughs> I'd rather was, not guess it and uh no, absolutely we'll, we'll just build suspense for there everybody go. that's, that's listening music. there we go I got it right here um yeah so I'll just read you the the headlines and sure. and that the, they all have bullets but number one is we are willing collaborators and honest communicators hmm. which is to me I mean honestly we, we are a copywriting company but we really are a communications company Right. Like At the end that. of the day, that's that's what it all is. Um, a big thing for me and for our team is being willing to have difficult conversations because they are the most respectful ones you can ever have. Hmm. You know, it, 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 think about it. The most disrespectful thing I think you can do to somebody is ghost them. Yeah. And the reason you're doing that is because you don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation. Either you've decided something's going to change or you don't want to work with a person or whatever, but if you've gotten to the point in communication with somebody where there's a mutual understanding that things will go somewhere and you decide to end that conversation with no explanation, that's yeah. a major character flaw as far as I'm concerned, right? Fair. Um, we honor the pro code, uh, which at its core is uh, being where you said you'd be when you said you'd be there having done what you promised to do. Mm. Just being responsible. Um, I have a whole acronym for pro code that I, I teach to freelancers, but that's the heart of it. Um, number three is we are perpetual students. Uh, that means that we believe in order to be an effective coach, you must be a good student, hungry to learn new skills, discover new methods. And we pride ourselves on being curious and coachable. Hmm. Um, and number four is we are driven by pride of performance. Uh, we always ask what is the most interesting way to share this information? We place high priority on our personal reputations as well as the reputation of the company. And we consider our own ongoing journeys to achieve goals, the best place to gain shareable wisdom, mm. right? And so anything we would want from a perfect candidate for one of our coaching programs is like, we have to be that first. And, you know, like attracts like and, and like identifies like. Um, so yeah, those are the core values. That is wonderful and out of curiosity on my own part how long did it take you to come to the iteration of it that you have right now i think you know we did i had we had an eos coach which was one of the greatest investments i've ever made and nice. i think we actually got them done pretty quickly in a brainstorming session it was sort of like me and my my integrator rachel and it was just like just start naming everything that's important to you guys what are the repeating themes what and you know, it's kind of interesting, like when you look at other, I've seen some other companies and it's a lot about like, you know, we are uh, be very database or, or data driven, you know, we, we never say can't and, and there's no, and we're like, oh, those all things we're, we will say no, <laughs> we're not willing or, you know, it's like not interested, right? You know, um, so ours were kind of, you know, uh, more about humanity and character and responsibility and figuring it out together. Um, but once we kind of had the, I think what we had was the, um, uh, the ones I just read you the, the, the sort of the 
titles. And then I went and added bullets around all of them. And, but, you know, it was kind of easy for me because I've been coaching so long that these are things I talk about with people. I'm always preaching these same points. And I love that they, and that's why I think Mary got so emotional. She's like, I mean, this is exactly what we've been doing and, and learning and correcting in ourselves and, and preaching to people we coach for so long that it's just great to see them printable for the first time, you know? It's, 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 it's really beautiful, at least like from my perspective, because I, I look at values as, I mean, one, it creates, a, you know, a strong foundation for a shared community, but it also enables uh, leadership for anyone to step up and lead uh, because they right. can look at the values and then use it as guiding principles to make decisions in times of uncertainty, you know, and that I, I really... I really yeah. love that particular application of it. Um, yeah. What has been, and how long has it been since you implemented it? Probably, uh, let's see, well, almost three years because uh, we're in our third year of running EOS right now. So yeah, probably about two and a half years ago, we sat down and made that list. Is there anything over the Oh, you cut out, your mic cut out right there for some reason. Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay, perfect. Thank you for that. Uh, is there anything over the past three years of using it that has surprised you? The whole system? Yeah. Yeah. Um, two things. One is that it still takes a lot of daily interaction to get things done. Hmm. We are trying to be less and less hands-on with our people in our processes but at the same time how much it's improved that so for context a big part of the system is what they call the l10 meetings these level 10 meetings that happen once a week and the idea is that if the leader from every team gets together with their department the other leaders have a meeting and decide what's important something's broke needs to be fixed um, and then they go off and they have meetings with their own teams and they cascade that information as they call it. And then in theory, Mark, you shouldn't have to talk at all mm -hmm. for another mm -hmm. week because yeah. everybody's really clear on what they're doing. Um, it's not quite like that maybe in our world of, of, of digital marketing where we have a new thing we're, we're publishing or, or a launch coming up or yep. right. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, but I'll tell you what, the difference between having those meetings and not having them is night and day. It does. It is the ultimate safety net. If something's broke or messed up. It cannot go more than a week without being put on the table mm. and a solution found. Right. Nice. So um, and, and people who come into our company are, are, are shocked and amazed at the symbiotic nature of the team and and how well everybody communicates because we do it every every Monday. We all are looking at each other and it's kind of nice. It can be a little, see a little cheesy in theory, but we always start with, um, we pick like three people to share a personal and professional win, nice. you know? Yep. And it's just nice mm -hmm. to keep up with people and what they're doing in their lives and remember that, oh yeah, they got that new dog or they, they have teenagers or, you know, it just, it really adds to the whole thing. And so, um, 
that's been the most surprising thing though is it's not as like anything it's like just do this and then magic happens it's like nah you still got to stay in the trench a little bit more than you might have thought but uh compared to not having a system it's funny you know you mentioned something to me before i'm I'm not calling you out but (laughs) this is this is what made me um choose it was uh woman who happens to be my accountant because that's how I met her is one of the greatest friends and mentors in my life. Her name's um, Jess and um, she runs a company called the bottom line and she's super proponent of, of EOS. And she told me you don't have to choose EOS as an operating system, but if you do, you have to go all the way with it. You cannot try to grab a few parts of it here and there. And I would say that's very true. It's a big commitment. Um, but, and, you know, we use it maybe differently than a bigger company would or, or, or things like that. Most companies who use it are, are like service industry companies or law firms or n- not a lot of people in our world implement it the same way. Mm-hmm. But um, I do agree with that. Like, you know, the thing, everybody has a system, whether it's by default or design. And if it's not by design, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna fault because, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just realizing that the, the amount of wasted time and energy we had before clarifying things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so when everybody's pretty much aligned, you can get to the minutia of saying, Hey, for now on, when you need something from somebody, let's, let's frame it like this. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. Or here's, here's the people that need to know. Here's the problem. Here's my question. Here's some possible solutions if you have any. And then when, when can I hear back about this? Right. As opposed to loosely wanting, I'm going to be a little conversational Mm -hmm. about, about this right now, because I'm in a fun mood and it's just like nothing happens. And so it's not about being rigid. It's just about being clear, right? Communication is, is all about clarity. Absolutely. And like you mentioned, you're in the business of communication and not, not necessarily just copywriting and the other theme that I heard within there is that it seems to be helping you to facilitate a community within the organization itself. That's a big one. hundred percent. Yeah. And doing things like, uh, you know, once a month I have a private one-on-one meeting with someone on the team, you know, and I always have to tell them right up front, like, Hey, this is, we're just hanging (laughs) because I forget that I'm the boss (laughs) and they're like waiting for the, for the news i'm like nothing no agenda here i just wanted to wrap the for a few minutes and and um that is what builds community and and they all do that with each other and um yeah it's so funny because you know i i guess i'm a pretty communal person but i'm also an introvert Mm. you know and i i i i very good at being alone so it's kind of interesting that my whole business has been around building community community. yeah it's kind of kind of interesting (laughs) Yeah, that that is uh, that that is counterintuitive. <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting though. Um, I have tested whenever I've ever done like the tests. Uh, at first, I tested as introvert, and then after improv, I tested as extrovert, and wow. then a little further down, started testing as ambivert. You yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, and and the thing that at least came up for me when I would take these tests, it's like oh. I seem to be more extroverted when I'm around the right people because like I get energy uh, from being around sure. them, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I can absolutely see how if you've built a community that 
gives energy and like it feels good to be around where even right. though you need maybe take time away from it like you you always want to come back you know yeah and the truth is like they they almost don't want me around anymore like they, <laughs> like in the threads dude, my, my stuff gets nothing you know like, you know like people show up for a training and, and mm -hmm. all those things but it's like eh, kev don't you chat with us like we, we're <laughs> gets that's quiet funny. around the water cooler when kev walks by you know like, <laughs> but that's that's the beauty of the community it's like yeah. it's of the people it's their thing you know it kind of reminds me of um like when because i've got uh, uh five siblings you know uh, uh so it's like you know it's like when parents would come around it's like it's a little quieter like and <laughs> If we all sound guilty by being silent, they won't know which one did it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good time. Um, if you could go back in time, knowing everything that you know now to give yourself any advice uh, at the starting of Copy Chief, what would you tell yourself? At the starting of Copy Chief in yeah. particular? Yeah. Uh, I would say, I would say, yeah, let it breathe. Let it breathe. Don't feel like you have to put on a show all the time. These people are gathered here because they want to be here and it feels good for them to be here. And they don't need, they don't need a, a production all the time. Mm -hmm. Kind of like I was saying before, it was actually, that was the big, the big lesson. Too much is too much for anybody. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. So if I were starting over again, I would just, fight the instinct i'm a performer right i was a stand-up and it's just like here's an audience i guess i gotta put on a show and i would have <laughs> i would have not went through all that you know hmm. it's a very 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 helpful answer for the kind of people who are listening in because some of them you know or some of some of them are thinking about taking you know create turning their service expertise uh into you know a productized format it might be an online course it might be a group program uh coaching or large scale uh uh sorry small scale consulting program or large scale uh coaching program but there's also usually a community uh component mm -hmm. to it as well and so i can hear them listening in and trying to think ahead you know to how they might do it and how they might learn from your experiences yeah um for the person who has maybe five ten years of service expertise and they're thinking about you know putting it getting it out of their head and yeah. onto paper a digital paper is there any advice that you would have for them yeah i say first of all that's a smart place to start any community there, I think there needs to be a central activity or exercise or some sort of foundational learning that people adopt. So it puts everybody on the same language, gives them something to talk about. So if you have a signature piece of content um, that's helped you build what will become your community and audience, definitely start with that and say, here's this thing. You know, to me, a community is spawned from one thing. And that people want to hire you to learn a particular thing that you can do. Um, hopefully that you invented, because then only you only you can tell them if they're doing it right, right? Um, and then the reason you start a community is because you're going from one to one to one to many. It's the ultimate way to do it. Because any consultant or coach knows you, 
spend so much time answering the same questions and people are paying you a premium to do it personally for them. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's very limiting. And so starting a community was my answer to doing that with the 60 second sales hook. I just wrote this quick little book and it, it blew up and everybody wanted to hire me to help them write theirs or, or get them right. And I is infinitely unscalable. And so that's what James Schramko, my coach at the time said, take, go from one to one to one to many. And that was the signature training when they got in there. Everybody said, hey, come in and write your 60 second sale hook. And I would critique them. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, and then we just took that same thing and did it around all of our trainings and, and then it evolved. So I would say if somebody's thinking, should I start a community? Yeah. Know that, that you need a foundational piece of, of education. Um, hopefully with some fun, if you can make them exercises that everybody can do. And, and cause what that'll do too, Mark is it don't, I started with only hundred people and mm. that was enough for me to see, okay, how much does this need from me? How much of it handles itself? And we had all these great people, these leaders who stepped up and they just sort of become, it's like self monitor I didn't have moderators. I didn't have anything in the beginning. It was just me, right? And then slowly people just, if, like any society, if you took a hundred people from anywhere and locked them in a place for, you know, a, a month, leaders would emerge other everybody a society would form around that you know that nucleus mm -hmm. and and so let a community form its own nucleus guide it but the more you try to control it the less gratifying it's going to be give people direction mm -hmm. help them find things uh try to be as organized as you can but um otherwise let it evolve because that's that's how humans and society work and and have since the beginning of time Absolutely. And having been part of founding member in multiple communities, uh, what you said is so right. You have no idea where things are going to go. And it's just, I've, I've through online communities, I have formed lifelong friendships, like 10 decade long friendships uh, yeah. through, through these kinds of communities. And you're right. It started with a core learning that we had together. It was a book we, we read, a course we took, a training we took, something, and then we had we had something to talk about and right. to work on together. So yeah, that, that absolutely resonates. A little bit on the tactical side, I'm imagining it's been quite some years and that you've probably done some price testing uh, yeah. over those years. What have you found, what did you start with and then how and why did you come to settle on uh, what the pricing is now? Yeah, good question. I think pricing is always the uh, biggest mystery. The thing with pricing is very hard to lower the price. You know, you can always raise it. Um, I started at $47 a month. That was for the first hundred. It's kind of funny. I, I set it at a hundred um, and then I sold out. It was a uh, Labor Day weekend, 2014. And we were like sold out by the Monday. And I was like, wow, it's incredible. And I told James that. And he's like, why'd you cut it off? <laughs> I'm like, I thought we agreed. <laughs> that was a good idea. But I wanted the hundred people because it, to me, it was like the perfect 80, 20. I would, you know, mm. like be a perfect test. Um, so then sort of reopened it, kept it at 47 for a while. No, I think I, cause that needed to be special pricing. So that was the founder's price. And then we raised it to 67 when we reopened it and then kept it there, I think, too long. Then it went up to 
I don't know, 79 and then 99. Um, and then we started going to annual pricing. Um, so I think our sweet spot was any like 599 to 799 for the year. I think really that was the sweet spot. And now we're at 1490 for the year. And I'll tell you an, an important lesson about pricing. Um, even though you knew the value of something, hmm. it's like, how many people do you want in your world? You know? <laughs> and when it, what I've learned is I want thousands of people in copy chief and I want it. it there's just a psychology to pricing where it's like, yeah, I'm willing, I'm willing to roll out a dice that this is going to be, of course we have a 30 day trial and, and all those things. But once you get over a thousand people are a little less reluctant, they start comparing it to other expenses and things. Mm -hmm. and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so there's still, a, you, they can still pay 149 a month, but our sweet spot was that 599 to 799. I will say this though, very effective. And, and this is why we ended up raising it too much Two, one is because I went to a mastermind and listened to a bunch of rich guys tell me that I was underpricing. Always a mistake. <laughs> are, are any of you in the, in there now? No, but I can tell you. <laughs> You're, you're underpricing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't pay it, but I'd pay more if I was going to pay it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing is, it, it, it is a very effective tool with subscriptions to give people a special price and then raise it, right? So price hikes have always been our, our biggest um, way to get new members. And it's just, again, psychology, we all have it. It's like, we don't want to give up the thing we have. But at some point you run out of ceiling to keep raising the price to where it becomes detrimental, you know? So um, I'm not sure you can change prices and things, but then it gets complicated when you have people who just paid the one price and you want to lower it for mm -hmm. everybody. It just, it's, it's less about sort of losing the money, quote unquote, than the technically the logistics of getting everybody that refund or figuring out how to give them choices and how they want it. Do you want it as a credit? Do you want it as cash? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. be careful about raising mm -hmm. your price, like really think it through. I, I would definitely recommend with any subscription, raise it incrementally and you want to keep it as a really kind of no brainer thing. Um, people have to pay to pay attention. So it's it, make sure, you know, the value is represented in the price, but um, just because other people tell you, um, you could get more or you see examples of similar things get it you if unless you know their entire business model and why they have it priced that way don't assume you should follow suit just mm. it's an internal decision sound 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 advice one of the things that i've also seen you do over the years is just really if we zoom out and from the lens of like silicon valley product development like you've you've iterated on copy chief uh like developers would <laughs> like in silicon valley and i'm curious so what have been some of the uh most impactful changes that you've made you made the change and it's like oh wow that went even like better than we thought it might have yeah uh well again I, i'll give you a double-edged sword on so we changed platforms at one point because mm -hmm. i had a tech guy who kept telling me the lifespan on my original um, form was going to, was there's an expiration date on it technically or, or whatever. I don't know if that was true. You always have to just trust tech people. <laughs> um, so we searched long and, 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 and wide and, and, and chose a new one. 
two thing, interesting things happened. One is we lost engagement from a lot of our original users because mm -hmm. they were offended uh, <laughs> at losing all their history of posts. Oh. There's no way to carry over all that history oh. with, with their names on it. Right. Oh boy. And I get yeah. it. It was kind of like, I told you I was crushed when, when Michael said, this is closing tomorrow. I was like, can yeah. I get my stuff? It's like, I've got so many posts in here that I could be repurposing or, oh, um, man. yeah. So I that see. was interesting. Yeah. Like they, they just wouldn't come with us. They were like, mm. um, so that was a big lesson, <clears throat> but the format is so much better because we have now these private clubs we can create. Right. And so, um, Again, double-edged sword there, but the activity in the in the in the in the private clubs is always way greater than in the general forum. And so there's two ways to approach it. It's like, do I just want everybody together? And if they want to discuss a certain thing, they can start threads. And that way we'll have better overall engagement. Or do we want to segment people? Of course, they're still in the regular form, but most people kind of tend to stay in their lane wherever they are at that mm -hmm. moment. And so, but I would not give up the value of having the private clubs because people go in there and it's like walking into a room where now you're focused on this, right? Yep. You, have, you have your gym, you have your grocery store, you have your, your water cooler, you have your job, you have your friend, your, your clubs you go to. And um, that, that has been super cool. That, that, that created mm -hmm. an immediate change because, you know, you get the right amount of people together again, it's a nucleus and cool relationships come out of that. Yep. Right. And if there's 500 people in a general form, you, you'll kind of make some friends, but you're seeing different people all the time. It's like being at a warehouse party compared to a, a dinner party. Right? Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic analogy. It reminds me of my time inside of a program that Ramit uh, Sadi uh, no longer has uh, Ramit's brain trust. You yeah. Know? It, it's, started as hey we're gonna interview these people but then it became very quickly about the community and first it was a hundred people then it was a thousand people but the same thing you just mentioned happened we split up into these like subgroups there was a fitness group and then there was a group for finding your dream job and there's another one for like freelancers and then for consultants and 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 really strong relationships like yeah. uh, were formed um such that even after the program got shut down, those groups continued <laughs> anyway. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we have, um, so, and we, the way we started doing that in the old form is we would create a, a private uh, section whenever I was doing a coaching group. So everybody could have that unique experience together, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, RFL, one of my programs, uh, number seven, uh, which must have been back in like 2017 or 18, still have weekly calls uh you know five or six people from that group all these years later and wow. uh yeah it's beautiful and you know we just had a thing where in a new group i'm coaching somebody said hey let's start a whatsapp group somebody was like are we okay with that i'm like first of all <laughs> we're all about community i'm like hey don't do that no yeah. talking outside of our world you know <laughs> I'm like, of course we're okay with that it's beautiful that's great so, uh, that's that's fantastic. I I think I remember some of the original people uh, that were in there. I think uh, Allison Carpio. I think yeah, she came around yeah. a little later. Angie Coley was a major part of the community. She came on somewhere in the, after the first year. Yeah, Robert Gibson, Ross, of course, Abby Woodcock, mm -hmm. um, Ian Stanley was in there. Taylor Welch 
was in there. Oh, super early oh wow. There. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah that's David why. gives me way, way too much credit as a mentor, but uh, he, he's, he was, yeah, a hungry copywriter at the time. I was trying to remember for the life of me where and how he and I, he and I originally had a call. And I think it might've been actually connecting through Copy Chief. That, that now makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Small world. Well, yeah. that, that right there is a testimony to community. Um, I know you have been very generous with your time. We've gone a little bit over here. And so I just have like just a yeah. few sure, closing man. questions. Um, the first one is if you had to choose if you were on a desert island and you were stuck with one dessert for the rest of your time what would you choose that was easy strawberry shortcake really oh, yeah. <laughs> you thought about this already <laughs> you know why great. i know because uh, in our family everybody gets a birthday dinner and they have yeah. to choose their meal and dessert and every year without question it's strawberry shortcake oh that's fantastic and that cool whip in there and the, oh so good uh, another one which seems to have the world divided. If you had to choose between chocolate chip cookies and oatmeal cookies. Oh, yeah, chocolate chip. Yeah. Oh, man. Damn. <laughs> Sorry. When you say oatmeal, I don't know if there's raisins in there. Oatmeal raisin. Oatmeal raisin. Oatmeal raisin. There could yeah. be all kinds yeah. of things going on in oatmeal cookies. That's fair. Now, That's fair. If you That's said fair. chocolate chip oatmeal, I, I might have to choose that. Uh, but uh, peanut butter, anything is is always my number one. Um, okay. Yeah. So I I I had oatmeal raisin for sorry the chocolate chip oatmeal raisin for the first time the other day. I didn't know this combination existed and I, I was floored. So I, I yeah. know exactly where you're coming from now. Yeah. Um, and the final question is something you have a lot of experience with. You, you help a lot of freelancers find their voice. They find their position in the world. And I was on this call uh, with uh, Chris of uh, Group Coach Nation. He said this beautiful thing where he's like, I feel like once we found our voice, it's, you know, we're, we're part of our mission becomes helping others find their voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just this universal uh, human experience of, you know, going through the hero's journey. For that reason, I found that some of the people I work with, when they, even though they're successful with maybe being a service provider or, you know, they have a team, uh, they've even maybe created a course before. But when it comes to launching a new higher ticket course, the fear comes up. You know, uh, resistance. You know, art, art of war. You know, Stephen Pressfield. Uh, what advice would you have for them launching a new thing into the world? How do they traverse that journey? Yeah, I think it's a stepped process. So I look at it like this: uh, first thing to do, first assess your your skills. What do you do uniquely well and love to do? Number two, um, do you see that problem that you can solve pretty consistently? Three, uh, are you able to help people quickly solve that problem? So say like you're in a, a form, like a group, right? And the problem comes up and people are like, oh, tagging you now because you're the, the guy or the girl who's so good at solving. Then you want to, so, okay, you've kind of found a thing you can do. Now we have to vet it. So 
Number one, will people pay you their attention for you to solve their problem? So if you were generous enough to say, hey, you know what, let's just get on a 20 minute call. I can walk you through this. It'll, it'll solve it forever. And they're like, oh my God, thank you. Really generous. Show up on time for the call. They value your time. Great. Now they'll pay your attention. Will they now pay you money for that same call, for that same information, right? And now if they'll pay you money and consistently, now you can write it up as a, as a service, you can market it. And now you've got a thing that you've proven that people resonate with you to solve for them and will pay for, and then you should create a product around that. That is such a succinct, great answer. Thank you for that. That that right there is like a real or YouTube short or something. Like that's that was that was that was very juicy. Uh, thank you for that. And the final thing I'll ask is, do you have any questions for me? Because I've been peppering you with questions this entire yeah. time. Um, I want, yeah. Tell me a question. I I would go back to the tango. Hmm, yeah, because I just I always sort of that is another that now that is one thing that i don't do well that you cannot stop me from doing in front of people is dancing because i'm not nice. i'm not taking it from somebody else there shouldn't be somebody else dancing if i'm dancing i get right we all have our space <laughs> yeah. what have you learned about tango that maybe anybody dancing any dance hmm. you could what can you impart to me even if i don't learn tango that's going to make me a better dancer Oh, I love that question. I've never gotten that question before. Ah, with tango is often described as the hardest dance to learn. Uh, you could go a doing it for a year as a leader role in tango uh, can earn you the 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 wonderful right to be called a beginner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if there's one thing. I've learned through the tango journey is humility and humor. Mm. It's like being humble. I found that, okay, before I even try to even think about assigning blame for whatever it is that happened, let me double check with somebody who is not myself uh, to get a different perspective on what happened because maybe there's something that I missed. And so it trains uh, this, this responsibility and accountability and uh, nonviolent communication. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like, how, how do you, how do you take um, accountability quickly? And then also humor, it's just going to be way easier if you could find a way to laugh at the mistakes yeah. along yeah. the way. It's like, it seems like a serious dance that people, tend to take it too seriously maybe is that it has that reputation and you have you tend to have a subsection of people within tango that also like uh to not take it seriously right. while also still trying to be like uh good at it um it's 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 actually uh quite funny um but the other thing that might be helpful for yourself or anyone else learning any dance uh, is this four-part framework that one of my instructors first shared with me. I said, I, I went to her and I was like, if I wanted to be really good at this, like, what do I need to do? And she's like, actually, I love the question. There are four things. First, you need a practice partner. 
Mm. You know, you can't just practice solo. You need someone to practice with, and you need to have dedicated time for solo practice as well as partner practice. In addition to that, you should also take group classes so that you can get the experience of dancing with other partners. That way, you don't fall into bad habits that you're not aware of. You know, and then yeah. the fourth part was private instruction. In addition to the group classes, you're doing a one-on-one private instruction to work on your own form, your own technique, and to also even learn your own learning style. Uh, and then two, to work on your technique together as a couple, because those are right. not the same. Those yeah. four things uh, continue to be true. I was hoping you were going to tell me like um, more hip, less shoulder. Something like that. <laughs> That'd be more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tango can get very, very esoteric. Invite her around you. What does that mean? <laughs> it sounds beautiful, but. <laughs> well, I'll yeah. tell you, I, I, uh, my wife and I went to a, a group, um, like a disco thing, right? There's instruction mm -hmm. for an hour. And then uh, and I was talking to this old drunkard dance instructor at the bar this guy was great he was <laughs> nice i'm not making it up he was loaded and uh but he said he told me something um he's like here's the best way to quickly become a better dancer um just walk you're just walking right mm -hmm. he's like you see people and they're always reaching out to twirl somebody and they're like always and their and their feet are going in every which direction he's like dancing is just walking with purpose he's like mm, keep your body contained yeah. to the same sort of perimeter of how you would walk and and i was like wow and then i started doing that it changed everything in a second oh, i'm like good bad. now but i'm in so much more in control because i'm a lanky guy anyway mm -hmm. and so if, if if i got my arm out here my legs are askew yeah. i'm like i'm not on solid ground anymore you know so um little things like that you know, um, and that's why it must feel so great to get good at dancing because just to, to share that experience with somebody mm -hmm. and, and, and move in sync in a natural yeah. way. God, mm -hmm. beautiful. And that, and that, just like everything we've been talking about, yes. you got to do all the hard part for it to feel easy and natural, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's the bummer of getting good at anything. You got to oh, do the hard gosh. part first. It's, um, there's this martial arts analogy where it's like, um, you have to first figure out the form to leave the form. You know, right, and it's like right. there's you master the structure so that you can then have freedom, you know, yeah. to to express and be however you want to be. But what what that you said he was drunk when he told you that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> that's that's fantastic. That's the best drunk <laughs> advice I think I've heard. Like, <laughs> that's it checks out. No, I was just like, yeah, that whole less is more thing. That yeah, that's uh, that that no, that applies to tango. No, that's 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 fantastic. I'm going to tango like uh, later on tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna do nice. more of that. Yeah. So, thank you. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's solid. Um, Thank you so much uh, for this. This was a pleasure. This was so much fun. And I, I hope it's not the last. Maybe we'll do another one like next year or something. Yeah, um, I, I absolutely, there's so much more that we could continue to talk about. But I just want to thank you again for the gems that you've shared. And is there anything else that you'd like to share before we call this a wrap? I think that's it, man. I think, you know, um, kind of like what we were just saying, let it be fun. Let it be natural. If you want, if you think you can't write, 
and you wish you were writing more for your business, um, just start with, with no agenda. Things only get hard when you realize they should be. And so let it be as natural as it can be. And uh, just like writing a letter to a friend. And if you don't write at all right now, start writing to people. They will love it. Like put some, learn how to communicate. Uh, it's a different way. It's, you'll, you'll write it different than you would say it, right? Or, or anything else. So yeah, embrace writing. It'll be good to you. I love it. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for checking out the show. If you liked it, go ahead and hit the like button and also subscribe so you don't miss another one. It also tells us which ones that you like the most so that we can then do more interviews like that. If you want to go from idea to implementation, though, especially if you're wanting to productize your expertise so that you can scale your impact on your clients and, of course, grow your business, then join our email list. There we're going to talk about how modern consultants can productize their expertise so that they can have a greater impact on the world around them and live life on their terms. If that's up your alley, I hope to see you on the other side. Talk soon.